Hi, friends. Thanks for coming back to the Joyfully Raising Grants podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lee. We are so happy you're here. Our goal at Joyfully Raising Grants is to shine a light on the positive actions we can take to become our best selves, serve our grandchildren well, and find the joyful moments in every day. And speaking of joy, before we get started, I'd like to share some of the exciting ways we are sharing joy in our world. First, I wanted to remind you that we have a merchandise store with branded Joyfully Raising Grants items. From attire to phone covers and bags, we have over 80 items to offer. Let your grand know how much you love getting to care for them by sporting the Joyfully Raising Grand items. You can find the link on our site at lauraleellc.com. Secondly, we are very close to the open store of the Joy-Filled subscription box. The first launch will be a one-time purchase of a December gift box, and the second is a monthly subscription box, which begins in January. Our inspiration for these boxes is you. Each month, the boxes will be curated with you in mind and filled with products lovingly sourced to help you take time to find your joy. Joy-filled boxes are assembled for the busy woman who knows the importance of caring for herself, but has a hard time holding the space to do so with everything on her plate. With coordinating themes or colors and prints, scents and sounds, each month will change up the contents to keep your deliveries new and fun. The Joy-filled subscription box supports the Joyfully Raising Grants podcast and our efforts to encourage and support grandparents raising grandchildren. The boxes are amazing. I know we'll sell out and I can't wait to hear from those who receive them. These boxes are ready to receive and they're also ready to gift. Quantities are extremely limited, so get on the wait list now to be notified when the store opens. You can find the wait list at myjoyfilled.com. Today, friends, I am delighted to welcome Rich and Aline Young to the podcast. They live in Mount Airy, North Carolina, and are grandparents raising their granddaughter, Sabella, who is seven years old. Rich and Aline are blessed to have a great support through family and friends, but they know that there are many grandparents out there who don't have as much support and are facing very challenging situations. To that end, Rich and Aline have started a support group to support other grandparents who are raising their grandchildren. Their goal is to provide a safe place for grandparents to come, share their stories, connect with other grandparents who can understand due to their shared experiences. They also want to help connect grandparents to resources that can assist them on their journey of raising grandchildren. The group meets virtually and is open to anyone regardless of where they reside. The Youngs hope that by sharing their story and their experience, it will open the door for other grandparents to seek the support that they need and deserve. Rich, Aline, welcome to Joyfully Raising Grands. We're so glad you're here today. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we start with just a little bit of your story, your background, so that our listeners can get to know you a bit better. Well, I always like to say our story basically starts with a phone call. And the phone call was, it was really a phone message. And the phone message was from our daughter who said, I thought you ought to know I'm pregnant. We're getting married today and we're not going back to the treatment center. We had actually, unfortunately, had to have her removed from her house. She was in her mid-30s. 
Um, but she was being somewhat violent when she was uh, under the influence. So we had to have her removed from her house. And that led to her going into a treatment center, which she had been in several treatment centers, but we had had to really kind of step back, which often grandparents have to do when they're dealing with addictions with their children. So we had to take a step back and just kind of set some boundaries and decide, you know, we can't do this right now until you get some help. And so we had not really had much contact with her at that time. And then she left that message. And then we even debated, what do we do? Do we get involved? How we not get involved? But get involved means you get involved. And so um, we debated for a little while and talked about it. And at one point I said, you know, how can we not get involved? So we chose to get involved. And so we started, um, um, we met the, the father and uh, they got married. And so we started supporting them, spending time with them, helping her through her pregnancy. We set up an apartment for them. And, and uh, Aline was actually there when Sabella was born. Um, but then right after she was born, we, uh, she, it was known, we, we knew she, that our daughter was um, involved in a medication-assisted treatment program at the time on, on methadone. So Sabella was born methadone-dependent. But we all we found out through the blood test that actually uh, our daughter had done heroin while she was while she was pregnant. So CPS got involved right away. So that basically started um, a long process. And you know, we really believe our daughter wanted to be a good mom and and was trying. She just could not deal with her addiction and make that separation. And for the first four to five months, we actually took Sabella for a couple of weeks just to give them some some help and tried to help them. Um, and then the father actually uh, was arrested on, on an old warrant and was actually uh, incarcerated. And then her daughter invited his brother to come in and he was, you know, an addict. And so it just was not a good situation. And so, so at about five months, a little less than five months, we said, here's what's going to happen. We're going to come get Sabella and you're going to go to treatment. So we went and came, came and got Sabella and then um, let our case manager know what's going on. And, and basically, so then we were given legal custody and went through about a, a, a three-year process where um, kept going back and forth and it ought to get better than you're not. And so finally, then, then she had a second child and, uh, and there we, we tried to be supportive in, in that. And, and then she went through a treatment and, and actually she won an appeal where she was given back a, a level of custody. Aspella never left our care, but we were going through the process of trying to develop this, in a sense, almost co-parenting. We were, but we were literally preparing Sabella to go back to live with, with her mom. And she was starting to have some visits. Uh, but we saw, we saw the sign that she was really struggling again. And then actually um, her second child died. And, and she admitted that she had done Percocet and, and fentanyl at that the morning the baby died. And so she was unresponsive, unfortunately. Um, and so basically at that point, CPS got involved again. They'd actually closed the case on Sabella and they got back involved and, and moved quickly towards seventh adoption. And, and initially our daughter was going to fight it again. But then at some point, I think she recognized that it wasn't Sabella's best interest. And, uh, and that part, the whole process of having to consider um, giving Sabella back to um, her mom, you know, we knew her mom cared. It's just, it was heart-wrenching. 
And the analogy I use is I felt like the state was telling me I had to put Sabella on a train. And I knew two miles down the track, the bridge was out. They were telling me I had to put her on a train anyways. And I knew a train wreck was coming. We both knew that. And, um, but we didn't have a choice. And that's part of the challenge for many grandparents who are in the middle of this. They don't get to make the choices about custody and things like that. So anyways, um, we were able to, our daughter was able to come to the place and recognize that it wasn't Sabella's best interest to allow us to adopt. We had been working uh, towards and that, that right. by that time, that's, we, we were the only parents Sabella really knew. And so to, um, she just needed that. We knew she needed that stability and finality. And it was, it was quite the process. So. Right. And, and Sabella, especially the first few months, it was, it was, um, uh, we didn't see a lot of huge behavior, but she was very anxious. She cried a lot. Um, the visits were horrible. I mean, we yeah. literally at times, this where sometimes it's challenging dealing with, with some of the courts and the state, you know, people is there are times they literally came and picked her up at our house and took her an hour and a half from where we live to Phoenix to visit for visits with a stranger. I mean, it was horrible. Some of the things that, yeah. The visitation was actually one of the most difficult things she had to go through because she had to go get, be in a car with this person she did not know. It was as a baby. Yeah. Yeah. It was but, a baby. But, but we had no choice. We had to do that. And so that was a very heart wrenching time. And the other part that was really hard about that period was not knowing what the future was, not knowing, not only for Sabella, but even for ourselves. How do we plan for the future? We don't know what's going to happen. And um, so that's when we were able to adopt. It was amazing. And in fact, uh, our last name is Young. And the judge who actually presided over the adoption, her name, her last name was Young. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, it was amazing. It, the, the day in where we lived at the time, Prescott, uh, twice a year, they do this really special adoption process where they try to get as many families who are going to do that together. And they had this celebration. I mean, they decorated the, the, um, the courtroom, it was just like, it was a party. Yeah, it was really, and they had a bounce house up front and it was amazing. <laughs> it really was a day of celebration. And, and that, which it was for us because um, it just, it changed everything for us because there was a permanency and a stability that really started. Now, of course, you know, <laughs> we have a lifelong process. We, this is a lifelong commitment. So it, it you know, it, it, it changed everything that day, but of course, you know, everything after that is still, you know, a parenting process, but it did change for Sabella and for us. And, and then we were able to really build a new life and start to plan for the future. Um, unfortunately for our daughter, she could never get over that. I think the combination of her own addiction, the loss of Sabella in many ways, um, and then loss of her other child, she just never recovered. And she ended up leaving the area. And then uh, two years ago, um, we got the phone call that we knew we would get someday. I mean, Ali, Ali knew for years that yeah. phone call was coming. 
Um, and then actually very interesting, um, we were ready, we were preparing for the birth of our, one of our grandchildren. And then the night before she, um, the grandchild was being born and actually when mom was going into labor, we, we got that phone call that said it. She had overdosed. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it was, it was, of course, uh, you know, just incredible uh, grief. Um, you know, Sabella never, unfortunately, she doesn't really talk about her mom. And our approach with Sabella has always been, we're going to let her lead the way. And we're going to follow her lead. So when she asks questions, we're going to be honest and answer her questions. But we're going to let her ask questions. Now, she sees us as being her mom and dad. And she, um, and she, now she calls us Lolly and Pops, uh, which is the name our daughter-in-law gave us. Uh, just means we're suckers, but, <laughs> but anyways. Um, but, we're very sweet. <laughs> but she calls That's us a better Lolly analogy. Pops. I feel like that is uh, better than. Uh, <laughs> um, so. But she you should make a can, you should do a candy line though. You realize this, right? Yeah, like, you should right. have a candy. Lolly and Pops. Yeah. Actually, yes. our, our, our son one day sent us a picture of a story he saw us at Lolly and Pops and said, Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but she calls us Lolly and Pops, and and but we are her parents. It, with little we are, of course. Uh, but that in her mind, that's what we are. And we we slowly try to introduce um, now Aline's dad uh, actually is kind of in the role of grandpa in many yeah. ways. He calls him Papa and stuff. And so it's my, it's almost everything just kind of right. shifted down a generation. But uh, we try to, we know there's going to be a time when we're going to have to talk, share more of the story with her. In fact, just recently, we, we kind of, we try to be a little proactive and in, in, uh, especially as we're talking more about the grandparent group and stuff. We sat out one night at dinner and said, you know, I don't really quite understand that we're actually both your parents and your grandparents but she really wasn't interested. she didn't care she was <laughs> like, like okay you know pass me the raspberries yeah uh, but yeah but uh so she's not and it's interesting I, I, there's i think there is kind of an emotional block at some level where yeah. she just like she never talks about her mom and uh doesn't talk about ask about you know father figure and and she really has never asked anything about the baby sister that she had, you know, even at young age. Um, and really, I don't think has any memory of it anymore. But, um, but anyways, our approach is to answer questions that she asked them. And we know that there are going to be times when there are going to be some challenging questions and things like that. But she is a beautiful young lady. She's doing so well. Uh, we recently moved um, two years ago from Arizona to North Carolina as part of a downsizing plan. We literally downsized. <laughs> Yeah. Went from a 2,000 square foot house to a 1,000 square foot house, two bedroom, one bath. <laughs> um, but we did that so Aline could not have to work anymore and stay home. And uh, we found a place with great schools here in North Carolina. And she's doing great. Um, and, and she's very resilient. And, and she is, she is uh, the poster child of why this, <laughs> of why this is worth it. Yeah. Because she has a wonderful life. She really does. Maybe a little too wonderful at times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but that's okay. Um, but, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, the just the 
who she is, a young lady. And she, um, and I think she, um, she was worth saving. And uh, that's why we do this. And so anyways, that's, um, that's our story. That's beautifully said. I would agree wholeheartedly uh, that everyone is worth saving. And uh, I, of all people, have those same philosophies. I think that um, what we're doing is just one of the most unselfish things that people can do. And so if no one said it to you, you're appreciated today. (laughs) So I think sometimes we just need to hear that. What do you see as the primary needs of grandparents raising grandchildren? You know, I think, especially when grandparents first get the children, it's it's in crisis. It's typically not expected or maybe wondering if it's going to happen. But at least for me, when when we first got Sabella, I looked for support. I, I didn't know anybody else who was raising a grandchild or that was even walking any any type of path that was close to ours and i looked for support groups and there really wasn't anything and i think that having a relationship with other people that are walking the same path is is amazing and so helpful to kind of just share and and ask questions and somebody that maybe is a little bit further in the journey that can look back and kind of give you a hand up I, I think that's a big piece, at least it was for me. Right. Yeah, I think that connection and support to not do this by yourself. And, yeah. and you know, one of the most challenging pieces uh, are, is the, as you, as in your case, so many grandparents are single grandparents. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we have each other yeah, and, and we have a lot of family, our adult children are all very supportive. We have some friends who have been very helpful and she has an aunt that, lives near us so we have a lot of support but a lot, a lot of people don't but some of the other needs um number one it, it, it can take a financial toll on many people um this the things extra cost of you know food and clothing and, and diapers and formula yeah, when yeah. it's a baby right. you know and, and then child care needs child which care. financial like you know and probably for some people this seems low but when we were in arizona we were paying eight hundred dollars a month you know child care uh, in preschool, but then also childcare needs in the sense of just when you need a break, you know, most adult parties and gatherings don't have childcare, yeah. <laughs> you know, as far as older adults. And um, so just childcare needs and having some, you know, someone that you can trust, you know, to, in, in some situations, they have relaxed a lot of times you have to be careful who you, if you have a child in your care, who is watching your child. And so that, there's some regulations about that. And then a huge one is just they also often need some guidance on custody and legal issues. I mean, a lot of times they don't know what their options are. And there are sometimes grandparents who don't have any legal standing or custody. And that can be very challenging when you want to make medical decisions or school decisions. So some guidance on, you know, guardianship versus adoption. And of course, adoption is a long process, but, you know, different kinds of guardianship. There's also some other kinds of physical custody, you know, arrangements you can make. So that can be a real issue. And then, uh, you know, the uh, deal, continuing to deal with your own adult children. Often they're still going through their own addictions 
and often you get caught in the middle. One of the hardest parts for us also was you get into this adversarial relationship with your own children and you get caught in the middle of that. And, and sometimes you're having to literally battle your own child to protect your grandchild. And that gets very difficult. And, and when addiction is part of the dynamic, there's so much manipulation that can happen. And, and so, and once again, depending on your legal status and custody arrangements, that can be very challenging. And then, and the other part of that is it's difficult often to set boundaries, which is so important, but setting boundaries with your own adult children uh, can be very challenging. And, and the other part of that is that can be difficult partly because you want your, your child to recover. You want your child to get their life back. But unfortunately, when they're in the middle of addiction, you have to set some really clear boundaries. So some support around that can be very important. Just dealing with CPS and state involvement, courts. One of the things that you have to realize is in most situations, the court's focus is on the rights of the parents. Now, they will consider the needs of the child, but legally, in most situations, they're bound by protecting the rights of the parents. They gave back, I mean, we went through two appeal processes with our, with our uh, daughter, and she, she, she won the first one, and then she quit. I mean, she didn't go through the second one. But basically, that very first one, she legally got back custody, uh, although Sabella never left our care. She got back a level of custody while she was in a halfway house, basically, you know, living in a one room little spot. And she already had another child and they gave her back where she could she could have literally taken Sabella to live with her, you know, and it was no way that was in the best interest of Sabella, but they were protecting the rights of the mother. So that can be challenging. And then just dealing with all the case managers and, and that process. You know, a lot of grandparents have not dealt with CPS or Child Protective Services and all of the moving parts for that. And that is was very overwhelming. And trying to find somebody that was in our corner during that whole process, there really, we didn't have anybody. It was Sabella had her guardian ad litem, and then my daughter had all of these people, but there was nobody that was looking and and there to kind of help us maneuver mm-hmm. this whole crazy system. Absolutely. It's, it's incredibly right. complex and so stressful to deal with, especially without any kind of guidance as to what you know where to set expectations what what steps to take next and the grandparents don't have rights basically that's what we were told you're you're here because you're you you've agreed to take on the care of your grandchild but you really don't have rights in this other than taking care of her but especially when the, the processes they're, they're working towards reunification, they, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough place to be in as a grandparent to watch, especially, you know, our daughter had a serious mental illness. I mean, she was designated as that and just the chaos in her life. And, and our story isn't unique. I realize that so many people deal with the same thing. 
Um, I wish there was more assistance for those caregivers. I think that that mm -hmm. would be very helpful. Right. And just the emotional piece of this, right. as you know, the foster, no, we focus on grandparents, not anyone's open. We don't, anyone's open to come and join our group or support groups. Now we focus on grandparents. That's by choice. But, you know, we know there's a lot of kinship groups out there and that's great. We focus on grandparents. Um, but, but the point is, a lot of times just the emotional pull when you're having to go through that reunification process is devastating, especially if in your heart, you know, it's not in the best interest of the child, you know, just that emotional piece. And sometimes the grandparents go back and forth. And the other thing about this is life doesn't stop <laughs> because you chose to become a grandparent, raising a grandchild. You got, and I got this weird dynamic going on in my life. All my friends are getting old. <laughs> I feel so bad for them. It's happening to me as well. But, so a lot of times you're going through your own aging process. You're going through your own medical. And some grandparents are dealing with their own um, aging parents themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know why it's so exhausting, <laughs> but it's exhausting yeah. the second time around. Uh, in fact, uh, I like to call, in fact, we're, we're considering writing a book and putting our story into, into print. And we do, we may call it the second shift journey, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you're, it is what is going on. You're in the second shift of doing this. You've done this before, but the second time around, it's a lot more difficult to parent in your sixties than in your thirties or forties. Yeah. Now, someone just told me a week ago that I've already done it and done it well the first time. And it's just, it's perfected now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one, that's one of the myths that we could talk about. Um, you know, the other thing that happens is, this is one that most people don't think about. We have seven grandchildren all together. Isabella's the only one that lived with us. It majorly affects our being grandparents with our other grandchildren. Because when we're together, we're parents. We're in the parental role. And, and now the, the, the positive side of this is I know about Peppa Pig. You know, <laughs> I'm, very, I'm, very, I'm very Peppa Pig friendly and, and I'm up on all that. Um, and so, which helps with other grandchildren, you know, we know the stuff that they are into, but, but it does literally drain our time and energy that we could be giving as grandparents, you know, um, the other dynamic that's interesting for a lot of grandparents that are going through this is, you know, the, the, the norm is, is as grandparents, you go in, you spend the weekend with the grandchildren, you spoil them and you go home. Well, <laughs> Our daughter used to come visit us yeah. and then go home, yeah. you know, and so it's often the opposite, you know. Um, and, you know, it also affects your social life. Now, we've been very, we have a lot of support people who allow us to um, have time to respite. So we're, we're actually very fortunate, um, but a lot of grandparents don't have the good resources for childcare and, and that kind of thing. So it really does. Um, and, and the other part of this, it just interferes. It just interferes with your dreams. Wait, this isn't what I was expecting to do at 65, you know. It changes um, your dreams. Right. You kind of have to realign and right. this is this is the new, what we're doing now. Now, all that being said, you know, uh, I can't imagine my life without Sabelle. Mm -hmm. And she is a blessing. And I would do this again without even thinking about it. And she has enriched our lives. So the, 
the blessings and the positives far outweigh the challenges, but the challenges are real and the challenges are great. You know, I don't know that, I don't know the old thing about she makes you young again. I, I'm not sure about that. I try really hard to do all the things so that she isn't missing something. So maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm a little more tired at night, but. <laughs> yeah, but it, no, it, it definitely is a blessing and it, it's a joy. Absolutely. We started down at some of these pitfalls, right? That right. Graham get into. So talking about those, I want to make sure that we touch on the hopeful tips, um, some things that we can share with other grandparents that will encourage them in their journey. That is what we're about, joyfully raising. I think, you know, one thing that I really had to do is kind of find, like, find my center and kind of take, take a minute, even if it's just a minute to breathe outside, you know, just taking those times to kind of get your center back so you can give, because I think that if I don't do that, I'm less and I want to be more for her. So taking care of yourself and not, that doesn't have to be a big whole long thing. It can be just take stopping and looking at a pretty tree you know and and, and taking a breath right. so you know one of the one of the one of the easy myths to get into is oh this would be short term so one of the tips i encourage people is live in the moment but plan long term yeah. you know so i think it is important that right away i encourage grandparents to start thinking about what am i legal options? What are my custody options? What do I need to start planning for? And how do I need to rearrange my life to make this work not only for the grandchild, but for us or for me? So I think you have to live in the moment and focus on now, but plan for the long term as if this is going to be, you know, a lifelong process. I think it's also important to take care of yourself spiritually, emotionally, physically. Part of the emotional piece is I think it's important that you embrace emotions. And there's two words that I think are very healthy for us as grandparents, but they're also a great role model for our grandchildren. That is experience and express. Experience and express. Now, often some grandparents really struggle with depression, which is when we hold everything in. And the word depress literally means to push down. And but, the, but if we can help people learn how to give themselves permission to experience anger, give yourself permission to experience grief, this is a huge grief process. The only way to go through grief is to go through it. So, and, and, and our grandchildren are experiencing grief and they're experiencing anger. So if we model for them and then even and encourage them to have healthy ways to experience and express their anger, their grief, because here's the little model I like to use people. You like, you taught your child how to tie their shoes. You taught them how to ride a bike. That was quite a ordeal this year. But anyway. <laughs> she got it though. Yeah, she did. Awesome. <laughs> but you didn't have to teach them how to do emotions, right? They just do them. They get angry. They experience the anger, express anger, and they go play. They experience the pain. They express the pain, and they go play. That's natural. That's, a, I think, a God-given, you know, part of us. It's later in childhood into adolescence and early adulthood, we start learning don't experience and don't express. And then guess what happens? We don't get to go play yeah. because we're depressed. And so if we can 
really help people learn how to experience and express. And you can express through talking. So I think support groups really great. Express through writing, express through poetry, or through art. It really frees us so then we can find that joy as, as you, uh, you talk about. Uh, but if you hold it in, then you get stuck with it. So I think, I think, and the other part of that is, is somewhat as Aline was saying, not only in the moment, but we need times of respite. We need breaks. We need, we can survive this and we can learn to thrive, but we got to find, we need some times away. So that's where if we can find some family and friends who can take our grandchildren for a day or for a weekend, or for, you know, uh, so that you can get away and, and, you know, you can go on with your life. I mean, we, we've taken Sabella to Hawaii and we, we, you know, we have a motor home. We like to go travel. You have to learn how to restructure, become a new family with a new worldview, a new way of living. And so you, but you can do it, but you've got to be creative. <laughs> you've got to get some help. And that's, and that's the other thing I'd say is don't try to do this by yourself. Seek help. And that's why we do what we do. Um, but those are the main things I would say um, that can be helpful. Well, and I, I think that a lot of grandparents, like you were saying, you, you have this beautiful grandchild or children, but then you also have this grief that, you know, is, can be, you're drowning in it, but you have to, be okay because you also have this beautiful child and I think that you have to go through the grief I mean you have to you have to embrace it and walk through it and 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 get the help that you need so that you can be there for your grandchild so either that's support group it may be counseling whatever it is that you need to kind of stop drowning right you know yeah we have to survive to help them survive one more thing I think is important is I like to share with grandparents, go back to school. And what I mean by that is you can go back to school education-wise, but more importantly, you know, learn new skills. Yes, we've done this before, but it was in the 60s or 70s, and the world's different. <laughs> Newsflash, the world's different than it was. Just a little. <laughs> so we have social media, we have cell phones, we have all these things out there, you know, that we've got to be prepared for. And so we have to learn new techniques, um, new technology. And another thing that is, don't be afraid of young parents. Sometimes we think, uh, you know, but I think we have something to give them. They have something to give us. So hang out with young parents, hang out, you know, I mean, and learn from them and they can teach you things and you can teach them some things. So I think we have to go back to school and learn you're willing to try new um, techniques, both in the parenting um, skills, but also just, you know, the world we live in. I think that's very important. Yeah, some of my closest friends are now decades younger than I am because <laughs> we are experiencing, right, we're living the same world. So tell us a little bit about the support groups themselves, when you meet, where you meet, what you do in the support groups. So basically, we meet the second Tuesday of the month. We're now doing two meetings. We do a 7 p.m. Eastern time meeting and then a noon Eastern time. And, and we're doing it virtually through Zoom. 
And so you can find a Zoom link on our website, which is mountairygrands.com. So it is open to anyone, regardless where you live. Primarily, it's a safe place to come to connect with other grandparents who have shared experience. Because I believe connection comes through shared experiences, primarily. And our, our shared experiences bring connection. And so, as Ali was saying, you feel alone, you feel desperate, you feel overwhelmed. Just being with someone else, you can take a breath and go, okay, you get it, you understand. I don't have to explain, you get it. That's huge. The other thing is we, we, we will try to help be helpful with resources. And so basically that's what we do. We just try to create a safe place for people to come and share their story. It's also a place where if you're struggling with say, a teenager as a grandchild and I don't know how to do with, deal with this, a lot of times sharing the group, you have someone else that, you know, I went through that last year with mine. Here's what I did. I found helpful. No, no, that's helpful. So just, so basically it's a safe place to share your emotions, share your experience, find some resources and just build some connections. That's wonderful. It sounds like such a great resource. I'm... So that's what, that's what it's about. There's probably about 3 million grandparents in our country right now raising grandchildren. Correct. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge number. And right. that's again, just, just the United States. So right. yeah, it's just that what you're doing is incredibly needed and you're appreciated. It's a good, it's a good time to just share, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What would you like to share? Um, closing comments or thoughts, uh, things that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I guess what I'd like to say is we know you're there. We know it's really hard. We're here. There's hope. You can walk this journey. We know how much it takes and how brave you are to take it up and do it. So that's really what I want to say. You know, I would share, I would close with two thoughts. I woke up, I have, I have an amazing, my mind never shuts off at night, so I don't sleep well, but I have amazing thoughts at four o'clock in the morning. And, and as we're, we're thinking about writing this book related to our experience, and all of a sudden that what struck me was the hero journey. You made it all with um, Joseph Campbell's hero journey. Most of the Star Wars movies and that are all built on the concept of the hero's journey. And, um, but anyways, but the point is, Every grandparent raising a grandchild is a hero. They have, they saw the situation there that was in front of them. They accepted the call and they've accepted the challenge. And everyone is in a different place in their journey on that challenge. Some, for us, we're on the side of, you know, it's still challenging every day, but we're, the blessings are amazing. And we see why this is worth it. Some grandparents are still very much in the battle and don't know what's going to happen. Next, and they don't know what the outcome is going to be. And the other thing that happens to us on a daily basis is Sabella countless times throughout the day will say, hey, pops, <laughs> or hey, lolly. And it's always followed by a question. She has the most amazing questions. Sometimes they're as simple as, how many cars are there in the world? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, Isabel. Let's look at a up. lot. There's so many. Ask Siri. But, <laughs> yeah. but but the point is, she's great at asking questions. Our support group and what we do is all about having a safe place you can come and say, Hey, originally, 
or hey, whoever's in the group, I'm facing this. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, and that's what we're about. Now, we may not have the answers, but we at least we can share our thoughts and we'll share. And other people in the group who had similar experiences can share their thoughts or if they have a resource they need, we'll try to help them find the resource. Yeah. So that's what we're about. You can come and say, hey, Pops, what about this? And we'll do our best to share some thoughts about that. Well, there is great value in being able to provide that resource for people. So thank you so much. And thank you for being here. We appreciate your what you do. And, and I really do like your concept because it is easy to get stuck in the weeds and only see the weeds. And we got to look for the sunshine. We got to look for, okay, there is joy. There is hope. And uh, so I appreciate you know, the message you're putting out there about that. And it was a, a good challenge for me to, okay, I got to stay balanced. <laughs> Thank you for what you do. Thank you for listening today. If what we offer is helpful to you, the best way to help us share with others is to leave a review at Apple Podcast. You can always check out what we're doing at lauraleellc.com. And don't forget to get on the wait list for the Joyfield subscription boxes at myjoyfield.com. As we approach this week of Thanksgiving, our hope is that you find some time to be both grateful and joyful. We'll see you here next week.